0: Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody for this weekly program in which I invite friends, uh, scholars, theologians, to, uh, to take some time to choose a verse or two that is important to their walk with Jesus Christ and help them to come to a deeper understanding of the church and their relationship to the body of Christ. Often, the scriptures that our guest chose uh, choose would fall under the category of verses they never saw. And what I mean by that are these are usually men and women who already have a deep love for Jesus Christ, already had a love for scripture, but at some point in time the Lord used particular scriptures that they were not accustomed to seeing or avoided or explained away. But then through the work of the Spirit they they looked at the scriptures more deeply for a variety of reasons and uh, maybe using a variety of of uh, sources, uh, commentaries, <clears throat> and they began to recognize that the scripture meant something a whole lot deeper than they did mm-hmm. thought it did before. And our guest today is a good friend to the Coming Home Network and its father, Ray Ryland, one of the co-founders of the Coming Home Network. He's... Uh, been a vice president from the beginning. He's our chaplain. He is a former Episcopal priest, convert to the Catholic Church, and then was uh, one of the first Episcopal priest converts who was given a dispensation of, from celibacy to become a Catholic priest back in the 80s. And he's a good friend and, and also a wonderful preacher. And I asked him what subject and scriptures... He'd like to discuss on today's program, and it was he's put together actually a little booklet of scriptures dealing with the issue of suffering. And it's a collection essentially of all the scriptures in the New Testament dealing with suffering. We certainly can't get to all of these today, but <clears throat> uh, actually, if you're interested, we could make this available to you on our website. But I'd like to just give you a little more background to Father Ray. He served as an Episcopal priest from 1950 until 1963 when he and his family were received in the Catholic Church. Having received his Ph.D. from Marquette and his J.D. from the University of San Diego Law School, he taught for over 20 years at the University of San Diego as professor of theology before transferring to Franciscan University of Steubenville, where he was an adjunct professor of theology until 1994, currently Father Ray Ryland serves as an assistant at St. Peter's Church in Steubenville, Ohio, and is a contributing columnist for the Catholic Answer magazine. Father Ray Ryland's conversion story is in our collection of conversion stories called Journey's Home, and it's available through the Coming Home Network website, uh, which is associated with this program, in case you're wondering. Now, there's a whole slew of verses dealing with suffering that we'll probably look at. But the two that I'd like to introduce our subject today come from Romans and Colossians. These are two of the verses that I never saw when I was a Presbyterian minister. The first one is from Colossians 124. I do not remember how I understood this verse as a Protestant. I'm quite sure I never preached on this text. And even as I look back, I do not know how I would have explained it as a staunch Calvinist. And this verse is, again, Colossians 124, when Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. A second verse, though, that I want to add to that, again, a verse I never saw, I saw verses all around it. In fact Romans 8:28 was one of my favorite verses. Mm-hmm. Verse 8:18 8, was key. In other words that our present sufferings are not to distract us from the glory that awaits us one day when we're with our Lord in heaven. But the verses I never saw are the preceding verses Romans eight fifteen through 17. As I read these, I want you to listen for the central significance of suffering in our walk with Christ. Paul writes, When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi and you're hearing us over EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. <laughs> Dr. Kenneth Howell has two wonderful books on the early church fathers, translations from the Greek, as well as commentaries. His first book is on Ignatius of Antioch and Polycarp of Smyrna. They were two of the greatest leaders of Christianity in the first half of the second century. The second book is on the letter to the Corinthians by Clement of Rome and the Didache. These were two of the most important documents from the earliest days of the church. For Christians today, these earliest writings Harken back to a time when the unity of faith and morals was a cherished gift and goal among professing believers. No Christian can remain unchallenged and unchanged while reading and absorbing these writings. If you are interested in these books by Dr. Kenneth Howell or purchasing them, go to the store link at chnetwork.org. Thank you. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com.
1: If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodie's book, Journey's Home, Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Gerdyt's book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll free at
0: 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, I'm joined today by Father Ray Ryland. Hello, Father Ray. Thank you for coming all the way over to the studio from Steubenville. Father, there's... a uh, there's lots of subjects that we could talk about, but you chose suffering. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose suffering?
2: Because yes. I think there's such a lack of understanding of the Christian meaning of suffering. Uh, when John, uh, blessed John Paul II issued an encyclical on this, it was, uh, I won't say earth-shaking, uh, but it certainly was groundbreaking. Uh, I re- recall this uh, verse which you've just read from Colossians 1.24. Uh, I, I know a, a, a very devout Christian woman who, who, to whom this verse was once quoted by her sister. And she said, that verse is not in my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> right. When her sister opened her Bible and showed her the script, she said, I never, never read that. And she'd read her whole Bible many times, but somehow she just read over that. And I think there's at the back of this verse, there is a very important distinction which is not commonly made. It's a distinction between objective redemption and subjective redemption. Hmm. Now when it says, "I complete what remains of Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church, what remains or what is lacking and as, you, as your translation has it, that sounds like that the redemption is somehow incomplete and that was her first reaction when That's it was right. quoted to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, But she knew that uh, once she saw the verse was there in print, she knew it had to mean something else. Well, objective redemption points toward the fact, the phrase points toward the fact that in Christ, that in God, Christ has redeemed the universe. No question about that. That's complete. But we have to go on to say that 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 redemption has to be applied throughout the universe to all human beings in what we call subjective redemption. And so, what remains of Christ's afflictions is not in objective redemption, which is a totally accomplished. What remains is the applying of that of that of those benefits, those merits, to persons throughout to the end of history. And how is it to be applied? Applied through suffering. Through suffering.
0: It seems like the combination of those two scriptures together, Colossians one twenty four, and then yes. Romans eight bring up three questions about suffering in those three. One is the, the challenge to rejoice in sufferings. Mm-hmm. So it's an attitude towards the sufferings that are there. Mm-hmm. Second of all that somehow in this mystery the sufferings that we experience have some effect on the entire body yes. of Christ. And thirdly, that somehow the sufferings that we experience are a necessary part Mm -hmm. of our own redemption, of our own experience of salvation, or as as Paul said, our sonship. Mm -hmm. He said we are sons provided we suffer. And that aspect of provided connects with other things that Paul says that actually speak against the presumption of many of our separated brethren of once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you do or what you suffer, mm-hmm. you're saved. Mm-hmm. But he says the word provided. So there's a lot of scriptures that uh, you've chosen for us, Father Ryland. Maybe with those three questions, you know, the, this attitude towards suffering, rejoicing in it, what do we do with, with suffering, uh, how do we approach it, second, its effect on the body of Christ. Mm-hmm and it's a place in our own salvation i mean whichever order you want to take uh... we could begin by
2: recognizing that the call to suffering is an inherent part of the gospel uh we hear in the beatitudes especially in the the latter beatitudes yes the blessings come to those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for those who suffer reviling and persecution because of their witness to Christ. Uh, And in all cases, it it says at the end, rejoice and be glad. I recall that as a child in Sunday school in the Protestant church where I was raised, uh, one of the first passages we memorized when we were really in in kindergarten were were the Beatitudes. Uh, And that that last verse grated harshly (laughs) on my ears as a child as I began to really to begin to take the Beatitude seriously. But as has been pointed out with the Old Testament promised us a suffering Messiah, that great suffering servant passage in latter Isaiah, uh, we received a suffering Messiah. We are called upon to be followers of that Messiah and how else can we follow him except through our suffering?
0: When you were brought up, Father, was there, did you ever encounter those that, would write off the beatitudes as really no longer applying to us in other words almost writing off all the teachings of jesus because it was bef- they were before the resurrection so they applied to his hearers but they no longer applied to us since we are on this side of the resurrection and it's a different plan we're saved by grace through faith not through works of obedience
2: did you ever encounter that thanks be to god that was one heresy (laughs) which i was
0: spared (laughs) i heard others not that one (laughs) i mean i've actually had those that have commented to my journey home program and even deep in scripture whenever we've quoted the beatitudes or something that they would say that those teachings don't apply that our understanding of christianity is mainly through the words of the epistles Mm -hmm. through paul Peter, James, and John as they reflect on this side of the resurrection. In fact, I've even had some letters from people that say the book of Hebrews doesn't apply to that because that was obviously to Jews and not to Christians. I recall that when I started
2: seminary as a a Protestant at Harvard Divinity School, my my New Testament professor, when we came to the book of Hebrews, now he's a world famous scholar by then, I won't call his name, some will recognize (laughs) one of the translators of the Revised Standard Version. He said, uh, he said, I will confess to you, he said to the class, I don't know what this man is talking about. We will skip Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> and so in our course in New Testament we skipped Hebrews and I thought well if he can't I guess I can't either but it seems a strange way to handle the teaching of scripture. The infallible but inspired I, this word This man of God. was Unitarian by yeah, the way. Well, there you go, A, a, sure. a beautiful Quaker, Quaker soul, beautiful Quaker soul, Unitarian. He just, Hebrews of course
0: made no sense to him. <laughs> That's right from that context. What I think the thing I remember, I was in that theology that you just declared a heresy a bit. I didn't. I don't know if I'd ever told my people that we didn't have to listen to the words of Christ, but there was a sense in which the balance was Paul over Jesus. I mean, I hate to say that mm-hmm. and it was because of the emphasis on Galatians. You know, that we're saved by grace through faith and not through works. And then it seemed that some of the teachings of Jesus involved that we had to be holy of all things. Mm-hmm. When a Calvinist doesn't really deal with that subject very much. Whereas Methodists and Episcopalians mm-hmm. will accept more to call to, to holiness and sanctification. Mm-hmm. But the point is that Jesus, I mean, do did, did we have a different Jesus before the resurrection and afterwards? Is he couching his terms? only speaking for these people that are not in grace and therefore his words are not to be listened? Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. In fact, isn't it true that the earliest church fathers all the way through recognized the Sermon on the Mount as the new covenant, yes. as the new law. This is what we mean. Mm-hmm. So what you quoted here about accepting the persecution we receive as following Jesus is the necessary part mm-hmm. it is. of our following of Jesus yes. Christ. Yes
2: suffering in in itself is not a good. Suffering is an evil. But the meaning of suffering has been totally transformed by the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now it becomes a good if it is embraced and offered. Uh, I think if it's simply endured in a stiff upper lip type fashion, I don't think there's much blessing in that. I just hang on to this and hold my breath till it passes. Uh, that's co- what, what uh, one author calls pain without a destination, and, and that's a tragedy. <clears throat> I, th- I think there are, of, of the many tragedies in this life, one of the worst is the waste of suffering. It's a very precious commodity if properly used, if embraced and offered to Christ. And I can certainly testify from my own experience uh, that when we do embrace suffering and offer it to Christ, it puts a whole different attitude in our minds, in our hearts. It 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 makes that suffering a totally different experience. It can be, in the deep sense, a joyful experience.
0: Well, Father, your little collection of verses here is far more than we can handle in this hour, but one jumped out at me again on this first page of your quotes from the Gospels, and that's the Matthew 10, 38 passage. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Yes. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Thinking about that passage as it applies to our lives, how do we know when a cross that we've been handed is one that we are to accept or one that we are to run away from? Example, if you were in deep persecution, the Jews thrown into the cells in World War Two—that's you know—that's an a yes. extreme example. Or let's say you're in a, a horrendously uh, abusive relationship, or you're in a job in which your responsibilities call you to do things that are wrong or a variety of things. How do you discern, individual, when this is a cross, you say, this is my cross, I will bear it, or that this is a suffering that I have to alleviate and extricate from my life?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, in the case of persecution, we know that the early Christians did go into hiding, Uh, that they they were not summoned to... uh so to speak, uh, help commit suicide by presenting themselves. But once, once, they, they, were, once they, were, they had no alternative, then of course they embraced that and they, they appalled the heathens, appalled the pagans by going to death to be torn alive by wild beasts singing hymns, singing psalms, and praising God with joyful voices. You'll recall that those passages in St. Ignatius, Antioch, on his way in the year 109 or 10, on his way to Rome to be put to death in, 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 the, in the arena, uh, uh, torn to death by peace, and he, and he was eager. He, 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 God's calling me to this, and I can't wait till this happens. And now please, he said, don't intervene. Don't try to stop me. Don't try to save me. God's calling me to this. I think it, when something happens, our first inclination should be, Lord, I want to accept this if this is your will, and, and that initial embrace, I think, is be the first step in discerning whether it's something which we should embrace or something we should avoid. Uh, in the examples that you've used uh, as far as avoiding persecution, I think we have every right to avoid persecution in terms of saving our lives. If it were persecution in terms of being criticized for something, I don't think we have the right to avoid that. But getting, you, know, you raised a very crucial issue. I know a young woman who was given a very responsible job with, a, with one of the largest fruit companies in this country. She was, I think she was a Comptroller. And she discovered that, she, she found in, in just in the early months of her job, that all sorts of, of immoral, uh, pra- not illegal, but immoral practices. And she simply had to resign. She, he was suffering from this and she had to resign her job. Uh, she clearly did not find this something God is saying, I want you to suffer and go ahead and carry out these immoral practices as comptroller of this big company. So I think there has to be, uh, to repeat, I think there needs to be an initial embrace and openness to the fact it may be God calling me to accept this and uh, to embrace this and offer it. But uh, cont- it has to be sustained by prayer. And in the process of continuously praying about this, I think, uh, I think uh, guidance will come whether I should, I should avoid this or embrace it and live it out.
0: Well, the reason that I also drew attention to that verse because there's another side to that, because that verse, he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, is one of those verses that used to go along with that ethic of what would Jesus do. Mm. So, in other words, he who does not take his cross and follow me so you're you're faced with a, mm-hmm. a difficult decision, could be ethical, moral, relational, mm-hmm. occupational. Let's say you're a soldier. Yes, you're a soldier for our country, mm-hmm. and your sergeant, tells you to do something. That you know in your heart of hearts, is immoral, mm-hmm. unethical. Um, I don't just mean kill an enemy. But in the context, you know in your heart of hearts, you wonder in your heart of hearts, is this such a situation that actually justifies what I'm being called to do? Mm -hmm. And I think the important thing of this passage is that it emphasizes the need for a trustworthy teacher to inform a conscience to answer that question. To know whether the cross that we are Mm -hmm. being told to carry is a moral, Ethical cross, yes, and that presupposes
2: previous effort to have our consciences properly formed. Uh, That's you, right. can, you can you can you can get to the place where your conscience can justify almost anything. It can be it can be very badly deformed, and notice uh, that business of the cross. Some people would say, and I think there's truth in it. That I, I remember one man saying in my presence, "Well, the cross that Christ was is call, is calling for is that great big eye." standing at the center of life with a great big minus sign straight through it. <laughs> 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 I think uh, that's I think that's the beginning of the cross. And and we have to b- also to point out that the mere fact that something is bothersome uh, or troublesome doesn't mean it's a cross necessarily. Uh, it, it it can become anything can become a cross if we truly embrace it offer to Christ. But something i just have to endure is not necessarily a cross. Yeah. It just it just uh, It's just trouble.
0: You know that interestingly in the Luke passage you point out on the road to Emmaus, uh, Luke 24 and and he said to them, O foolish man and show of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? I mean the cross that Jesus took wasn't merely something he just had to endure. Mm -hmm. It was something that was truly necessary. And that and that he 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 perfectly embraced, yes.
2: yes, I can hardly wait, i'm straightened until it's accomplished,
0: yes, I know I'm thinking about uh we're going after the break in a moment, uh I want to to make sure we focus on the purpose of suffering, mm-hmm. uh this idea of redemptive suffering, maybe before the break, just a moment or so before we quote a verse. When I say the phrase redemptive suffering, what does that in general mean, mm-hmm. Father Island? What does it mean, redemptive
2: suffering? Redemptive suffering means suffering, which is embraced, uh, accepted as, as somehow something God has allowed for my ultimate sanctification. And, and suffering, which is there continuously, continuously offered to Christ. Lord Jesus, take this and use it. Use it for for the, some great need that I have on my heart, some in my family, perhaps even for myself, but for the world, the salvation of the world, and I thereby identify my suffering with the sufferings of Christ, and then it takes. That's when it takes on its full significance, and I think full meaning in
0: God's allowing it to happen. And It is a full relinquishing of that suffering. It's not a bartering with God. Yeah. You know, here's a situation in my life. Lord, I want you to change, straighten out. I will suffer this act if you will do this. Yeah, Yeah, it's the if that is to be left out. This is Marcus Grody. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. You're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
1: Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your Wings today.
0: Hi, this is Jerry Usher reminding you to listen
1: to Vocation Boom Radio, Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on the
0: EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Each week, I bring you dynamic interviews with bishops, priests, vocation directors, even seminarians and those who support them, all in an effort to assist the Holy Spirit in what is truly a vocation boom around the world. That's Vocation Boom Radio, Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Radio. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grody's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic but are looking
2: seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the Church, this book will provide you
0: with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110.
2: Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. Marcus Scrodi, your host, joined today by Father Ray Ryland. We're just having a great time. We're going to decide which of the 100 verses to look at in the rest of our time because there's so many. I mean, for those that don't think our suffering is a, a regular part of our journey, don't read the Bible very often because there's a continuous flow of not only warning us about suffering, mm-hmm. that it's a part of our journey, but an encouragement, as Paul said, to rejoice. and to understand and appreciate, but to make sure we do it in the right way. I mentioned just before the break this issue of bartering with God, using suffering as a means of bartering. Yes. I'll be glad to embrace
2: this for you, Lord, provided that, or if, underline, if you'll do such and such, if you'll take it away, and so on. The the one thing I would want to say about that is that uh, uh, God deals with us in spiritual stages. Uh, In my opinion... Uh, God can't move me on to the next stage until I accept his will in this stage. Uh, if if God wants to relieve this suffering I'm talking about, uh, that's in the next stage. What God wants for me right now is an embrace of that suffering and acceptance of that suffering and offering the suffering, suffering to him. Once I have done that, then he's in a position to say whatever he wants to do with me.
0: But uh, no bartering. Hmm. No bartering. Does that connect with... The idea, I remember when I was a pastor that I'd encounter young adults who were extremely anxious because they wanted to be married but couldn't find the right person. Hmm. And it, it seemed, I was learning by experience as a pastor, but now I think as I look back from Catholic perspective uh, that for them to be truly prepared for marriage, they had to first be truly content in their singleness, yes, which is just what you've just said, the stages. They mm-hmm. had to be very content where they were at that moment mm-hmm. before God can move them forward mm-hmm. to accept... I mean, who's that great that writer that talks about abandonment to the will of God? Pierre
2: de Cossade, Jean-Pierre.
0: Which was about being content in the moment. Yes, what he calls
2: the sacrament of the moment. It's only now that, that by accept, it's so easy to be holy. All you have to do is just follow the will of God in each passing moment,
0: <laughs> 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 which sounds a little difficult to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, but anyway, I mean, <laughs> it yeah. is, and even that's, uh, you know, those Catholics who are listening, know of the, uh, the movement, the Opus Dei movement with Jose uh, Maria Escriva, uh, but his whole message was seeking holiness where God has planted you yes and I think that connects with the issue of suffering doesn't it father because people are always saying boy if I could only be there or if I could only be that person or if I only had that person's opportunities or if I hadn't been born where I am and instead have been born over there or then things would be so much better yes yeah but but even Jesus in his Beatitudes says to not have anxiety about tomorrow, but today. Right. Today right. is now. the moment, the now. now. Yes. I,
2: I read once of, 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 a, of a wealthy man who was, had a, a great passion for serving the poor and he went to Calcutta. I thought that's a good place for me uh, and I'll work with Mother Teresa. And he, he reports, she poked him in the chest and said grow where you're planted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, there are, I, there are half do, about half a dozen young women on my prayer list every day who have precisely that same concern. And what I keep saying to all of them is God's calling you first of all to holiness. That's the, that's the purpose of your life. Now the, the second, but, but second, not first question is now is to be in, in marriage or is to be outside of marriage. But let's concentrate on being holy where you are now, and trust God to work out His will eventually.
0: You wanted us to draw our attention to <coughs> Acts chapter 14, verse 22. The <coughs> kind of the subject of this is that entrance into the kingdom involves suffering, and here's the verse says that Paul and Barnabas quote, put fresh heart into the disciples, encouraging them to persevere in the sa- in the faith. We all have to experience many hardships, they said, before we enter the kingdom of God. Yes. Ticket of admission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little flip. Yes. So, so once again, there's, it's, it's a parallel to that Romans passage. Provided that. Provided that you suffer. And ev- even connects with a little bit that you were saying a moment ago, Father, that if we want to move on mm-hmm. into... Where we would like to be, it's important that we accept our present situation. Yes. As at least, as you said, you begin by at least accepting that this is the will of God for my life right mm-hmm. now. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean if you're a slave, you don't seek freedom. Mm-hmm. But you at least accept life in, which is what Paul said all over the place when he was speaking to slaves. Mm-hmm. He, 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 called them to be good Christian men in the midst of their slavery. Yes. He wasn't making a statement about whether slavery was good or bad, he was calling them to accept God's plan for their life at that moment mm-hmm. and for the masters in that moment mm-hmm. to be Christian men and women yes. treating their family, the whole yes. household. And we'll keep in mind also that
2: that though he did not condemn slavery, he being a creature of his time, uh, what he did did, did say commanding their owners to treat them as Christian brothers, contained the seeds of the destruction of slavery. It took a long time for those seeds to mature, but they came out of a Christian rootage. Right.
0: At the beginning of the program, I mentioned the Romans 8, 16, and 17 passage. I wanted to make sure you had a chance to address that because then there's that provided. But there's a flow of it. I want to read again 16, 17, and then 18 because, as I said, 18 is the passage I always just saw. I, I, I missed 16 and 17. But 18 is, a, is the flow out of 16 17. Let me read that. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, if you only took verse 18, it would be easy to just quickly skirt over the sufferings and draw our attention to the glory that's awaiting us in the afterlife.
2: Precisely.
0: And I'm afraid that's what we tend to do,
2: uh, to take the easy way out, but that provided that uh, it's like a stick in the eye. <laughs> once, once we see it, we can't ignore it.
0: But why is it that God has made it necessary that suffering be a part of our spiritual journey? I mean, hey, I accepted Jesus once at a football field, you know, 20 years ago, and I, I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I've arrived, right, Father? You're on the
2: path. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the path. Well, this raises the problem of evil. Uh, why, why does God uh, allow evil? Uh, the answer is because God intended to bring something better out of it. Uh, the answer is that, that evil is a result of sin. Sin on the part of the human beings. Uh, we know about the fall of Adam and Eve uh, and, and in which we all share, but there was a fall prior to that. There was a fall of Lucifer and the angels, so that even though Adam and Eve were in a state of supernatural grace before the fall, something had happened to nature. Before that, uh, the animals probably were carnivorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were things not not right in nature, and so that we have to say, I think that ultimately all evil, physical, moral, any kind of evil, is somehow is related to sin. Uh, God allows sin because he knew he could bring something even better out of it. Uh, Sin abounded that grace may more abound as St. Paul says and certainly uh, we know that uh, in in the natural state Adam and Eve had they been had lived out the, the so called normal life been taken into heaven would have had the vision of God but in Christ, having been incorporated in his mystical body, we have a depth of union with God, or we'll have a depth of union with God, which would not have been possible for them. God has brought something so much better. That's the universal testimony of all the fathers. God has done so, something which is so much better than anything which could have happened had there been no evil, had there been no fall. Now that, uh, that, that's partly, I say, partly an act of faith in which we say that, and yet, and yet we see in human lives the, the, the transformations that are made through suffering. How people, I, I've, I've, I've counseled with couples where the marriage was broken uh, by adultery on the part of one, one of the persons and, and they suffered through this together. But in Christ, they, they, they came to realize and, and actually experience the fact that in Christ they had a far deeper relationship than ever before. God did not will that, that sin but God made use of that sin to bless them to bless them deeply. Or I think of a family uh, in which a, a father suddenly walked out his wife and their six daughters, very st- young youngsters, uh, was gone six years. Uh, every day the mother said, girls, pray for your father to come back. They did. Six years later, he left this other person and came back said, Will you accept me? And his wife said, Oh yes, I've been praying for six years. The daughter says their relationship is far deeper than anything they ever had before that breakup. And we're so thankful that what God did
0: with it. I just thought of an analogy and um, I'm a little nervous because I haven't had a chance to think out all the ramifications so if this thing leads in the wrong direction, you can straighten me out, Father. That's why I was a better preacher. But I was thinking about the effects of our choices and uh, my youngest son, of course, we've got a, a good pile of shoes for him to wear at certain occasions. He has shoes that he's to wear out playing in the mud and, and shoes to wear on the beach, sandals and then he's got his nice clean black shoes he's supposed to wear on Sunday. And I remember one Sunday when we were rushing around getting ready to go to church uh, to mass, we were we either had to leave now or we we're going to be late. And just at that moment, we grabbed his shoes and they were compl- his shoes for church were caked with mud. <laughs> caked because at some point in the past rather than wearing the shoes he was supposed to wear outside, he grabbed his Sunday shoes yes. and they were caked with mud. Yes. So before we could go to church, they had to be cleaned and we were very late uh-huh. getting to mass. Uh-huh. And to me that's kind of an analogy Yes. of our lives caked with this, the suffering that often we bring upon ourselves right. as a result of the bad choices mm-hmm. which delay our journey mm-hmm. to God. Yes. I mean, that's a bit what purgatory is all about, but that's another yes. discussion for another time.
2: Yes, it, we delay if we don't accept and move on from there, having
0: offered them to Christ. Yes, they provide, provided that. Yeah. Provide. Let's take another break. And when we come back, Father, I want to particularly look at, there's so many verses here, unless you want to draw us to another one, I want to particularly look at a verse in Philippians chapter 4, which talks about the key attitude in the midst of suffering. Be with you in a break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. And you're hearing us on EWTN, the Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org or contact us at
0: 1-800-664-5110. Hello, I'm Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, and I'd like to tell you about my newest book, What Must I Do to be Saved? A growing number of Christians today believe that all that is necessary for salvation is an individual's faith in Jesus. Churches everywhere proclaim this Jesus and Me theology based upon a simple interpretation of John 3.16. They diminish the need for rituals, sacraments, creeds, or even membership in any particular church. But is this true? In this book, I examine how salvation has always come by being a faithful individual in the family of God, the church. For information, please go to chresources.com or call 740-450-1175, thank you. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grot. i joined today by Father Ray Ryland. It, I opened the program, Father Ray, with the uh, quote from Colossians 1. Combined with the quote from Romans, it emphasized that our suffering is a necessary part of our journey. It also emphasized that our suffering has a connection with the rest of the body of Christ. That's the issue of redemptive suffering, which we just scratched on a little bit. But first of all, Paul's calling us to rejoice in our suffering, not just put up with it or just can't wait to get through it and say, you know, thank you, Lord, that's done over with, now I can move on. But he's really saying rejoicing in our suffering. And, and you've, in your little collection of scriptures here, you've chosen a number of versions from Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and First Thessalonians that all deal with a key to the attitude of rejoicing. What is the key how do we rejoice in the midst of our cross
2: well we do what um, scripture calls on us to do Uh, we uh, praise the lord (laughs) praise the lord we don't and we don't praise the lord we don't say no we we must not say i praise you lord because you're going to help me i praise you lord because somehow this is a part of your holy will and it's being worked in my life. Praise you, Lord, now you, now I ask in my praise, I ask you to help me totally to embrace this and to offer it to you, but, but, I, but I'm not asking anything except the, uh, the help in praising you. The prayer of praise, in my opinion, and that of others much wiser than I, unleashes in the human mind and heart, I think, a power of which no other kind of prayer will do. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's self-releasing it takes us out of ourselves and helps us better than other kinds of prayer really to focus on God and to rejoice in the working out of His will in our lives rejoicing in the fact that He has given me this out of the infinite love of His heart now He has allowed this don't forget that you distinctly what God says antecedent will and His permissive will mm-hmm. antecedently God wants happiness and wholeness for us uh, permissively he allows some of the evil in his creation to penetrate our lives. But with the with the understanding on his part that he's going to bring better good out of it, more good out of it than if we had not had to endure it. So the, giving him praise, I, uh, a, 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 a Protestant author that I highly recommend, I've read him off and on for many years, a man named Merlin Carruthers an evangelical uh, clergyman, former military chaplain out in Southern California has uh, written books Power to Praise, Prison in Praise, uh, Praise Works and so on. I don't know of anyone who so eloquently uh, describes the the, the power in praise and also gives dozens and dozens of illustrations drawn from his own experience of how lives have been transformed. Lives in deep distress have been transformed by the simple act of continually praising God and thereby opening the persons who were doing the praising, opening them to
0: the working of God's good grace. The the couple verses that you had chosen, uh, which seem in the midst of them to have that key attitude that you're talking about praising God, but I'd almost say that it has an angle to it that is so essential that it, it isn't just praising God, though it is. But it has an element of of the grateful recognition of the fact that everything we have, we've received from him. Mm -hmm. Philippians 4, have no anxiety about anything, but in in, uh, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It seems that the key in that verse is this phrase, with thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. that the ability to rejoice in the midst of suffering, to not have anxiety, is this key of thanksgiving. Yes. And it reminds me of, there's a psalm, which is a, a psalm that every priest and religious has to pray every day of their lives and the invitatory. Yes. Psalm 95. Yes. Which as a part of that, it, it, it warns us about not hardening our hearts. Right. And one of the problems in the midst of that is that those people did not remember what God had done. Yes. And that their hardened hearts became because they were not grateful. They weren't thankful for what had God had done to Israel. And so they were able to, and as a result, God said, you know, I shouldn't let them into my kingdom. This need to to recognize what God has done in our life Mm -hmm. and have this attitude of thanksgiving.
2: Yes. And what God wants to do with everything, God works together for good in most things. (laughs) No, in all things for those who love him. In all things. Yes and there's that that very powerful short passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, the first two verses have two words in them rejoice always pray constantly give thanks in all circumstances now that now here's a categorical statement for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you mm-hmm. I can't think of a similar Passage in all of sacred scripture that says, This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that's what I think about rejoicing and praying constantly.
0: Well, oh, uh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way either because, I mean, did you ever, I'm sure you did, Father, have the experience as a pastor where young adults come up and say, What is the will of God for my life? Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm trying to discover what God's will is for my life. Yes. Well, they're thinking about vocation or. Yes. But you can, get, you can narrow it down to a few things that we know are the will of God for everyone's life. Right. Ten Commandments. We yes. know that's the will of God. But in this case, we see also clearly yes. an attitude that God wills that we have. Yes. Because in, in all three cases here, it isn't automatic. It is a, an action of the will. Precisely. In all
2: circumstances. In the, in, the, in, the, in the so-called bad as well as the so-called good. I might add, just uh, uh, briefly pointing to the liturgy in the Catholic Church, uh, that we have what are called prefaces or, or, or introductions to the Eucharistic prayer. There are 84 prefaces in the liturgy. 81 of those call for unqualified, unfailing thanksgiving and everything. We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks always and everywhere in everything to give you thanks in fact one of the preface says father it is our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks through your beloved son jesus christ that praise that that open that that praising of god rejoicing in god opens us in a remarkable way i think like no other kind of prayer opens us to the working of god's will in us it, it gives us perspective on our suffering. God you can use this and oh what a difference that makes in the midst of suffering. Uh, physical suffering, moral suffering, suffering anxiety, uh, parents agonizing over what their children are going through, uh, wanting to identifying with their suffering. If they can first of all praise you Lord, praise you Lord letting this happen for my son or my daughter's ultimate sanctification praise you Lord I give you thanks Lord now help them help them I offer you my suffering of anxiety for them I offer it to you Lord use it for them for me for the family for the world and help me to identify day by day when that that anxiety hits me again to identify it with the suffering of your divine son it makes a big difference it makes a total difference
0: I remember, Father, when I uh, was a a baby Christian, although I was 21 years old, but uh, even though I'd I'd been brought up in the Lutheran church and and such, it had not made a big chink in my heart, but when I had awakening as a result of God's grace, someone taught me how to pray. And he used the acronym ACTS. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Remember that? ACTS. A-C-T-S. Adoration, Confession. Thanksgiving supplication. Thanks, yeah. And you know, that's, that still works, doesn't it, Father? I mean, that's the order that we begin by adoration of God, uh-huh. and then we confess our unworthiness to Him, and we thank Him for His grace and His forgiveness. And his, Then we start yes. asking Him.
2: Yes, in my Sunday school there was, there was one more letter, P, for petition.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, it was a handy acronym in my youth. I'm just wondering that there may be somebody out there, Father, that says, oh, that's easy enough for you to say, you don't know my life. Mm -hmm. You don't know my marriage. You don't know my kids. You don't know my job. That's Mm -hmm. easy enough for you to say to rejoice in suffering. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? I'd say, yes,
2: I don't know that. I remember uh, one time a a woman that I knew had a a 16-year-old daughter who was uh, being very rebellious. And at one time, it just... In her tantrum, she said, you don't understand me. And her mother said, no, nobody else does, but Jesus Christ does. And you're uh, expecting from us what Jesus Christ wants to give you, to give the meaning and purpose of your life. Now stop feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, we don't know what goes into other people's lives, but we do know uh, our, we can trust God's Word. We can trust no matter uh, God works together for good in all things.
0: Well, and you particularly pointed out that verse in First Thessalonians that that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for everybody in every whatever time. situation.
2: In every situation. No right. qualification.
0: Could we have a, a, prayer of, a quick prayer of
2: closing, yes. Father? Merciful God, we give you thanks for the wonder of the redemption of our suffering in your blessed Son. Help us now, Lord, to be faithful in offering all suffering our own and helping to offer the suffering of others to you for their sanctification and our sanctification and for the advancement of your holy will. Give us joy in rejoicing, Lord. Give us strength in rejoicing. Give us fidelity in rejoicing. We pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you,
0: Father Island, for joining us today all of you for joining us on the program. I hope this was an encouragement to you. I would encourage you to look into scripture. Look at all the wonderful statements that not only call us to recognize suffering as a part of our journey, but that Christ never leaves us or forsakes us. He's there with us in the midst of it all. God bless you. See you next week.